supersonic. 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 Welcome to Supersonic Hospitality Marketing with me, Mark McSee, where we meet the most interesting people in hospitality, marketing, business, and beyond to hear tips, tricks, and tales to help your brand boom. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better. Hey there, my name is Paul Barron. I'm the founder of I Am Donna. We are the restaurant chain on a mission to revolutionize the kebab. In 2016, we opened our first site in Leeds with massive ambitions to go global. But first, we needed a change. Being a chef, I've always been a bit skeptical about being pushed down the technological route. But what it's done for labor and customer service has completely changed the game for us. We partnered with Vita Mojo to introduce their all-in-one restaurant platform. We now take 100% of our orders digitally through kiosks, click and collect and delivery channels. We've waved goodbye to the manual processing of delivery orders as we now have all our delivery partners integrated through VitaMojo. We only need to do one menu push when updating menus across all platforms. Orders from all channels come into one screen in the kitchen making the operation faster and more efficient. The throughput is four times faster and we've seen a 35% increase in ATV. Our partnership with VitaMojo has transformed I am Donna. It's a massive part of our revolution. Find out more at vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. Hi, just before we get into the show proper, I had a message from our silver sponsors, Creventa. I was at an awards ceremony the other evening in London and it was fabulous, but I'm now, due to some health issues, a painful guest to invite. I'm now alcohol-free, dairy-free, gluten-free and many, many other things. And that means that when you're going to an event, you can feel a bit of shame as a guest when you are responding to someone that's collating all the menu requests because you don't want to give them too much hassle. And just thinking about it, actually using something like creventa.com would have made it a far better experience for me and for the team that were collating hundreds and hundreds of menu requirements and also thinking about them passing that on to the chefs, the venue, the waiters, the teams over there to make sure that the guest gets exactly what they need and they have the experience that they want. So if you're hosting any corporate events or indeed your venue hosts many, many of these parties, weddings, celebrations, I would really, really recommend getting in touch with Creventa.com. Creventa really is the answer to all of your problems as they have a seamless system that lets you email or text all guests individually to then get them to pre-order their food and drink plus create your table plan with their drag and drop system ensure that all the details and payments are correct plus it really feels great when you get to the table and there's a super clear menu table name placement there which then says everything that you're going to be eating and flags at a glance any allergens or guest dietary requirements that you might have. Creventa helps your guests have the best experience which will be long remembered which means great word of mouth and great repeat business. You'll get booked again and again and again. 
it will give you huge benefits as a host or as a venue and from as little as £99 per month per venue you really have a seamless experience at your fingertips. With Creventa you'll not only save time, money, staff, resource and omit any human errors because we can do that sometimes you'll also help the planet by reducing food waste by around 18% which is massive so if you host, hold or run events you need Creventa just go to creventa.com now to experience the future of seamless event hosting So today the sun is out in Brighton and also so are the workmen who've decided to dig up the road outside my flat. I honestly think they're all in cahoots and they know when I'm about to record a podcast and they really start up all of their angle grinders and pneumatic drills. Anyway, thanks to Google, I found a fantastic little studio in Brighton in Middle Street called Brown Bear Studios and I think I'm going to be doing most of my podcasts from here now. It's absolutely fabulous. And first up for a more professional setup is an AI guru. So I know... A few weeks ago, months ago, we interviewed an AI guru, but it's such a wide subject that we need to talk to more and more experts about what it's all about, how it plugs together, what the availabilities are, what the universe of it is, what the potential of it is, and also how it's going to impact life and how it's going to impact work and how it's going to impact hospitality. Today's guest is Victoria Albrecht and she's the co-founder and managing director at Springbok AI. Victoria and I go way, way back, as you'll maybe be able to hear on the podcast, and we've had a lot of fun catching up. It's been far, far too long, but I've just been blown away, but not surprised with Victoria's absolute catapult to the top and really up there in the upper echelons of thought leaders on breaking new frontiers and being a trailblazer in AI to help people everywhere. It's a non-stop conversation. Victoria, like some of the best guests I've ever had, just jumped straight into things. So I never even got to do my usual introduction. So I'm going to do it anyway, and I'll do it now. So it gives me the most robot rock pleasure ever to introduce our next guest, Victoria Albrecht, co-founder and managing director of Springbok AI. What's happening with you, superstar? Uh, well, it's been a really crazy, what is it now, May? It's been a really crazy four, four and a half, five months. Since I the bet. Um, yeah, suddenly everyone is talking about AI, hey? Yeah, yeah, but you were, as usual, ahead of the curve, ahead of the eight ball. So this is great, you know, you've just been on the money. I mean, I think when I first saw your company going up, um, as AI, I thought, oh yeah, it's quite kind of far flung, and it goes back to how we met actually as well. It was the first time I'd ever really heard about it when we met at that Google thing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then I thought oh, she's done it again. She's she's away. So yeah, I mean, it's it's so amazing because you've got such a head start on everyone else. Yeah, the industry has certainly been around for a really long time. Um, as in AI, you know, initially it started in 1956, so it's really nothing new. Um, a bunch of researchers in Dartmouth coined yeah. uh, the term and started researching in that field. And I say right now, it's already everywhere, right? Mm. And this is the thing that most people maybe haven't realized until they've started using ChatGPT or even maybe some of them now 
is that it's it's not just suddenly exploded right now. It's just that with ChatGPT, it's suddenly usable in everybody's hands for the first time in a way that they can see the difference between, you know, there was no text and then I gave it something to do and suddenly it did something. Yeah. But the fact that you've been, um, or actually let's, let's talk about the example of, of Google searches. Mm-hmm. So Google searches are this wonder, wonderful thing that's gotten ever so slightly better over the past years and almost no one has noticed, right? Initially, mm-hmm. maybe five years ago, you would type in a question into Google and then you would have to troll through the first three or four pages of Google um, to find uh, like a blog or um, an article or something on Quora that had the answer for you. These days, you can literally type in the question and it gives you the answer based on the most popular uh, website that's also sort of looked looking at what kind of sites have you previously found answers or, or content relevant in for you. So um, the quality of the personalization, um, but also just of the extraction of information to make it relevant for you is super high. Mm. Um, you can ask it, you know, what's the exchange rate of the euro to the dollar right now? And it'll just give you the amount calculated already. You don't need to go to a website with a calculator and type it in there. Like so many things are just simplified. Um, and that's just Google. Let's not even talk about, you know, Amazon or booking experiences or your mobile phone or uh, Netflix or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's very fun to see that the technology that's been um, around and like, I guess, slowly infiltrating our lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's unreal because like um, I first found out about it actually not properly till January. Right. So. I've, I've, I've told this story before in the podcast where I took December off, right? I was like, I'm going to take December off, a bit stressed out, you know. Yeah. And obviously this Pokemon Go moment for AI happened like 30th of November or whatever. So I missed it. And then I was on a phone uh, on the phone to a client, Kenny, up in Scotland, and he mentioned it. I was like, and I'd seen agencies sending AI Christmas cards and all that stuff. They were kind of starting to do it during December. But do you know that way I just hadn't clicked that this had just it, you know, happened. And then this was the, I don't know, VHS, DVD, Blu-ray moment for where it was in every home. And it was just like, wow, all of a sudden. But, you know, I think there's a lot of dangers with it too, right? You know, in, in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. limited knowledge on how to actually use it, um, you know, and, and and all these things. But we're skipping ahead and um, we need to go back a little bit. So what I was thinking was, um, A, Thanks for being on. B, I miss you loads. Um, and C, it's, it's just so nice to catch up. And I think, you know, in terms of the best guess I ever have is what's happened right now, where we're just straight into it. Like, there's no kind of like chat gap and there's like, a, you know, you've just went bang. Like, just, yeah, so it, it's the best, right? And they, I've, I've got a handful of guests that were the best guests that, that, that did that. So we'll go back a wee bit because we've uh, went back and forward on, on a couple of questions and to make sure we, we give listeners the best um, sort of 40 minutes or hour that, that, that they get um, before I get thrown out of this recording studio. So let's go back a wee bit. So let's introduce you properly um, and find out a little bit more on who you are, what you do. And I seem to remember some kind of royal link in some way from university or something. (laughs) (laughs) So let's hear about that. Sure. Okay. We could start with, we could start with university, rewind a few years. Um, So I went to St. Andrews, which is in Scotland. um, And I guess the royal link that it has is that Will and Kate went there. Mm. Um, I actually lived in the house next to them, but about seven years too late. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) <laughs> the ghost, the apparition of them was there. Exactly, exactly. 
Um, but yeah, I had a had a very fun time um, in St. Andrews, and um, that's actually where my um, love for the hospitality sector sort of started. And then from there, um, went to London, um, started a company called Y Food. Um, that's how I met you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also where I had my first touch points with artificial intelligence, but in the adjacents to the food industry, um, and really started to understand like the potential of it and what it could do. Um, actually, one company at the time that really um, blew my mind in terms of what was possible with AI uh, was a company called Food, food Pairing. Um, I think they're from Belgium. And they look at artificial intelligence to pair flavor combinations together and help um, brands create like new and interesting flavors. And I just thought, wow, you know, that used to be a job of some perfumer or flavor scientist or something. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we can do this with AI. You know, this is just a start of the world of possibilities. Um, And um, yeah, in 2017, I then um, exited um, from the company, had um, a very strict non-compete for a year, which was... um, well, a bit challenging, but I ended up going really diagonally into the world of artificial intelligence, um, helped a friend uh, sort of um, set up and grow his company, um, which was um, the AI company called Raza. Um, okay. So conversational AI in the in the chatbot space. So really like early pioneers in that in that field. Yeah. And what I realized is that I, I really loved the problem solving and service aspect of product. So essentially how how do we productize services and or create bespoke services to help clients both understand what artificial intelligence is and how it works but also how it can work particularly in their business um, and that's then how i started springbok so we actually started as implementation partners of that of that um the other company that i was working for raza um and i think we've now evolved kind of quite far beyond that um but that was about 5 years ago um, and yeah, right now, I'd say, honestly, the biggest um, volume of inquiries that we get is companies that want to um, take their take their department or their company through the transformation of artificial intelligence and figure out how is ChatGPT relevant for my business? Mm. How can I get the executives on board, um, help them understand what it is? First of all, uh, we make an assessment of where they are as a company and then where they want to go. Um, and figure out, you know, what sort of, what are the three buckets that they fit in, um, in terms of customers or, or, or um, outcomes that they want to achieve. So the outcomes that usually we get to, and sometimes it's a combination of these is they want to create efficiencies. Um, and a lot of that's around, um, actually reducing friction of collaboration, particularly in corporates. I'm, I'm not sure how big of a thing that's in hospitality, but certainly in, you know, big corporates with a lot of admin, um, the friction of lots of people having to collaborate on a task. Um, imagine like vendor onboarding of a technical, uh, like um, in a technical scenario, mm-hmm. all the different people involved and the hoops and the communication and stuff. It just takes a lot of time. Um, so that's the first one, um, efficiency and, and um, reducing that collaboration friction. Uh, the second one is helping companies um, that want to scale for growth. Um, so a good example there is one of our um, customers, Aura, um, the wearables uh, ring company, mm-hmm. We're going through a huge growth phase and their customer service just wasn't catching up to the amount of inbounds they were getting in terms of marketing and, uh, sorry, um, sales and customer support inquiries. Mm-hmm. So like, how do we just create, you know, a really good brand experience and customer experience, but using technology instead of having to hire more people and train them? Um, so that's the second one, scaling for growth. And then the third one is companies that want to create something really, really new and innovative. Um, and that just want to, um, essentially create a step change in the way that their organization does something 
um, or even that the industry does something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sort of, I guess, magic um, combination is when they want to do something innovative and uh, one of the others. So scale for growth um, or, or drive efficiencies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how we work with, uh, with companies. We mostly do um, work with corporates. Um, so yeah, quite large companies. Um, but we've also done um, a lot of work with scale-ups. Um, I think the sweet spot for us is a company that really um, understands and values um, the notion of creating a great experience, mm-hmm. whether that's with um, their internal employees or whether that's with their customers and wants to use technology to do that at scale. Um, and where I feel like things have moved now or so people are really starting to, to understand um, is the philosophy that we have is sort of aligning with the philosophy that we have, which is that it's good business to create a great experience for your customers and also for your employees, right? Like you can reduce churn for your customers. Um, you can reduce churn for your employees. You reduce your spend on marketing and new customer acquisition. I mean, I could go on and on yeah. about this. I'm sure we can, we'll talk later about the analogies there to hospitality. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it really pays to invest in that t- kind of technology. And we love helping customers develop that strategy and then also um, implement it. It's really interesting because I'm I'm just fresh off of a call today um, with someone and their CEO has went AI mad and he's just like, <laughs> everyone needs to be doing AI, every department needs to know, every, and I was a bit like, wait, wait. And exactly what you're saying, Victoria, which is, look, possibly we should sit down and say, well, what's the strategy for the company and where does AI fit within that? And then the second thing would be almost like a little graphic equalizer or set of volume sliders where you would say, well, for that department, it's a five. You know, you really want to do it there. For that department, actually, it's maybe a little bit more light touch. So, you know, is is, is there some, like, advice you've you've got from that, you know, in terms of going in to set your strategy? You know, what are there some things you should be thinking about there? Yeah, so it's a great question, and I completely agree with you there, Mark, that you know, the goal isn't uh, or hopefully shouldn't be to try and do everything all at once. That usually doesn't go well. Um, but to start where you need it the most. Um, in the current economic climate, I would say for most companies, that's around saving costs. Mm. Uh, and the really low-hanging fruit, I mean, where most companies have started automating in some way, but many of them not aren't really satisfied with the results yet, is in customer service, mm-hmm. and customer support and sales. Um, that's the really low-hanging fruit. Where I think the next big wave is going to be, and again, this is connected to both cost-saving, um, but also really helping the company do well um, and maximize the opportunity of being able to innovate right now in this in this market downturn, is really in creating a great employee experience. I think there is no more excuse for creating a bad one. And the employee experience, it, from my definition, starts the day that you apply for a company, even if you don't get the job. To the day that you leave the job, it's not just the time that you're, you know, actively working. Um, so, yeah, depending on um, what a company has has tried and where they would like to, you know, initially focus, um, that's oftentimes where we where we start looking. But also, you know, what resources do they have available? Um, do they have internal data science teams or developers? Is it something that we'd want to? Um, um, help them set up themselves and then, or, or, or take over later, you know, where, where are they at and where do they um, want to go there? So there's really not a one size fits all because some companies have just made a strategic decision that 
you know, AI isn't, or even technology is not our core business. So we're going to hire it in and just have someone who can help us manage the solutions that we bought. And some other people take a very different philosophy and say, you know what, um, technology is going to become uh, so core to our business that we need to become essentially a, a tech business with a restaurant specialization. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. are almost like two diametrically yeah. opposed philosophies. Neither of them are wrong. Um, but, you know, it's good to do some digging into how the company sees themselves in the future first. I think the employee thing, I mean, it's so dear to my heart. Um, you know, I've spent the last few years on it. Um, a, with Hospitality Rising, which uh, was a program to try and get, you know, under 30s into hospitality. Um, and then you're right, it's all about that experience. And then my other hat and the other job that I do really is about brand. And the mistake that most people make is they see brand as an external thing and not as an internal thing. And then it absolutely is, you know, it has to start from the inside. So if there's a way to use AI to do that, um, I just think that this is music to people's ears that will be listening because the, you know, the HR teams, you know, their shoulders will go from up top, you know, to relax, to go, oh, actually, I want to do that. And how do I do it at scale? And you might not even be that big a company, but you getting a great employee experience out to 500 people is tough, you know, to do it all manually. Um, and, and there's lots of ways to do it. Are there some examples about what AI could do for an internal engagement? Uh, yeah, um, de definitely some examples about internal engagement, but I, I think we would, I would want to, um, start with a couple of the ones that have been, um, actually tested over the past years for mm -hmm. external engagement because some of them have been, um, some of them have been good. Some of them have been good attempts. <laughs> <laughs> Not this time. Not no. Um, but, um, the reason I want to touch on them is actually that, um, the the word chatbots has been in everyone's ears for I think many years, right? And some of the most prevalent pushback that we had before ChatGPT came around was, oh, a chatbot. I've tried a chatbot once and it was shit. So chatbots are yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> End of story. Done. Yeah, yeah. End of story. Completely yeah. done. The technology isn't there. Moving on. Next. Yeah. Um. And so what I think is really really cool um that ChatGPT has now done is helping people across the board understand where the technology is in that domain um, and that it is possible to create a really good experience. And where um, companies like ZZ's and Pizza Hut had already implemented chatbots over the past years, and those were relatively rudimentary, you know, in terms of you can use it to order something, it won't really understand if you go off piste, um, but it's like slightly helpful, but more on the gimmicky side. Um, you'd had Chipotle, um, who's doing like burger flipping, um, and then helping, you know, you communicate personalizations, um, to the kitchen, uh, via AI, like all of this, I think, but used to be a little bit gimmicky, yeah. um, but, um, Wendy's is about to launch something that I think will help both staff, um, and customers it's in the, in their drive-through. So they're launching it in, I think two weeks time. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, it's essentially an automation of the drive-through experience with a ChatGPT-powered chatbot um, that also understands a lot of context. And this is the thing that really previous chatbots lacked. Um, and that's really hard to get right if you don't know what you're doing. And anything that's off the shelf, like a, um, a Watson or a dialogue flow, isn't really compatible with something that just needs quite a lot more nuance and um, a lot of entities and slot filling and things like that, which just means, for example, if you're ordering 
a pizza with lots of things that you want to add and a few things that you want to subtract, it gets very confused. Yeah. That's probably the, the best way to, to, to put that. And that's before a Scottish accent's involved. That's South <laughs> Scottish or anything, exactly. <laughs> so um so yeah, so in the in the Wendy's example, um, you know, the reason I think it will really um well, I think the 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 customer experience one is is obvious uh why it will improve that. Um, but the reason it will improve the um employee experience is because it's I'm I'm not sure it's been fun for any employee, at, you know, previously to sit there in that role and literally just take down people's orders and put it, put it into the system, and they can now look at things that are much more about an in-store, um, like fun personal experience. Um, you know, people go out being at the counter again. Mm. Uh, people, um, yeah, just creating more of a of a vibe in the restaurant, the kind of experience why you'd actually come somewhere. Um, and this will always, always start with the high volume chains like Wendy's and McDonald's and Burger King, unfortunately. And then eventually a lot of technologies will trickle down to restaurants that are just less, vol- like less volume based. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we can learn a lot from, uh, from some of those trials. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, it is amazing. You know, Wendy's do seem at their brand core very innovative, you know, not least the, the square patty and whatever. So it's quite nice that they are, they seem to be leading the market, you know, um, you know, which is really interesting. And then internally as well, you know, is it a lot more around gamification or would you be able to do some kind of roadshows generating videos? You know, how, how would that work? Yeah, so you can really go quite quite crazy there. Yeah. Um, and I was just sort of shooting some ideas with with the team. Um, and I, I don't know if, if anyone would find this creepy, but <laughs> <laughs> one of the things you could think about is, so imagine you have a customer that's um, making a reservation um, through an online tool. Um, the customer agrees to share their um, one of their social media handles with them. So let's just say their Instagram and through their Instagram, you can then automatically, you can have a program that automatically sees what this person is into. So maybe they're into traveling and art, for example. And then by the time they get to the restaurant, you can, you could on a digital display, or you could even print it out if you wanted to be, you know, more fancy. Uh, you could have a mid journey automatically generate a really beautiful, um, image that has something of the brand of the restaurant or of something of the menu combined with something that that um, user or that that guest is interested in. So like a super personalized experience, you know, could be varying levels of creepy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like that's, you know, to, to take it to a bit of the, the extreme of how that hyper-personalization could work from a, from a, from an experience point of view, that's the kind of um, thing you could think about. But you know, going back to the employee side of it, um, I actually have a question for you there. What uh-huh. do you think, what do you think is the main reason why let's let's look at mid tier and up uh, restaurants mid tier and up? What do you think is are the, some of the main reasons why um, guests don't have as good of an experience as they could in the restaurant? I'd be curious to hear from you. I think it's down to probably the lack of training and time of that person to mm-hmm. really get them up to speed. Cause the way it is now, you've got a hole in your business, you need to fill it. And you know, with a lot of smaller business, for example, it's just like, right, go and pull some pints. And the first night they start as a Saturday night and it's just like, get on with it. Mm-hmm. So I think 
the companies that have the time, the space, the patience, the money to still hold their nerve. And yes, uh, you know, they'll be losing money if someone isn't in the business for four weeks or whatever, but they are taking that time to train them up. And then there's a second part, which is just that person feeling confident, mm-hmm. knowledgeable and valued. Yeah. You know? And yeah, so I, I think that feels like the main, because I think there's an innate thing in most humans that you want to please someone else, right? You want to do a good job. I mean, there's not yeah. many people that want to do a bad job and you'll find them out and you'll sack them. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think, I, you know, I genuinely think it's not that end person's fault at all. We're not setting these people up to success, up yeah. for success, but that's because of all the external factors and pressures and the, we're only human too. So yeah, okay. I, I think if that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Mm. And that actually leads me really directly into um, an example that I thought about of where ChatGPT could come in. Um, so on the staff training side, um, so I actually waitressed uh, myself for a while. This was during the Olympics. It was uh, in, when, when they were in London, it was extremely busy. I got very little training and it was just sort of like, you know, drinking from a fire hose, learning by doing. Yeah, um, yeah. And where was it? Can you can you see where? Uh, yeah, of course. It was the. Um, oh no! Now now the name is it's it's on Bermondsey Street. Um, hang on. The, the garrison? No. Yes, the garrison. Oh, that's a great place. <laughs> Lovely pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, it was really, really fun. I actually went there on a on a date, and the date <laughs> wasn't going that well. The guy it was an Australian guy, and he told me that. His parents had just won the lottery. And I was like, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to use this on my next date. I'm going to use that. He, he wasn't for real, was he? No, he was. He was. What? He was about the strategy that, you know, the parents had thought about for how to distribute the money between him and his brother and, and his sister and stuff. And anyway, I was just, it was really boring <laughs> him talking about his lottery win all day. But I was, it, it made me look at the restaurant and sort uh. of observe things around me. And I thought this is a really fun place and I'd love to work here. Um, just to get some experience on, you know, doing this. Yeah. And so then, so that's where, where I went. Um, but anyway, back to ChatGPT and the oh, staff. Just, just, just before that, A, we need photos and video evidence and B, I want to see some <laughs> customer feedback. <laughs> uh, I was, Mark, I was always the one that was sent to the grumpy customers. To <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can yeah. understand. Yeah, that yeah. was my dog. <laughs> and you're now married to this guy? Uh, oh, <laughs> I don't even remember his name. Sadly, <laughs> I don't have to give him some props. Probably yeah. Dave or Joe or you know. yeah, Brad or someone. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, so back to the back to the staff training. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's it's um it, exactly as you described. It's the, the biggest challenge there is that it takes a lot of time um, to train someone properly. But of course, when they have proper training, it makes a massive difference, right? And what you don't just want to train them in is to understand the food items and the allergens and be able to describe it uh, when, you know, you're putting the plate down in front of someone and saying, this is the uh, chicken with red curry, uh, you know, with, with uh, chopped peanuts on top and, you know, fresh uh, kefir lime. And you're like, oh, I can smell it as you're describing yeah. 
right? Um, and then you know, as a waitress or as a waiter, you're often sort of sommelier and waiter in one, you know, you need to know the wines if the restaurant doesn't have a separate sommelier. So there's all this like knowledge that you need to acquire. Um, but then there are also, it's also about um, sort of scenario handling of, you know, challenging things that come up all the time, right? Um, and that's something that yes, can come with experience, but it should also ideally be be trained. And something that ChatGPT can really help with is to come up with a lot of good training materials um, and to make that as interactive as possible, but just really like overall improve the training experience. So we could be um, thinking about the, the plugin side of things. So data that already exists and how we can merge that together. We could look at plugins from customer interaction simulation, uh, role play scenario uh, generation. We could have ChatGPT generate different role play scenarios mm. and then create um, that interaction simulator by itself. Um, we could look at conflict resolution um, and thereby help um, staff that's on training understand, you know, what are different scenarios, what are different ways that I could react in those scenarios mm-hmm. um, and um, helping guide them through it. And, you know, even if they um, didn't know how to how to handle them, helping them understand what are some of the options of, you know, how to escalate or de-escalate, um, you know, to various people in, in, in that situation. So that's just on like the situation handling, but even on the menu side, um, or on the allergen side, we can use ChatGPT to very quickly access all of that information. And even if the waiter or the waitress isn't in a position um, to recall it all of, all from memory, because there is a lot of information, you can't know every allergen for every item on the menu. Yeah. You know, it's very, very difficult. Um, but what we can do is to help still make that a human experience, have the waiter have that very easily accessible to them um, and be able to relay that to the customer without coming with like, a huge sheet of paper with, you know, a, yeah, <laughs> a yeah, yeah. that they need to troll through, which sort of like breaks the the flow of the experience. Um, yeah. And then of course, um, you know, if we're moving on from the staff training um, side of things, we can also look at it for um, making menus more enticing. So could we use descriptions to automatically create images of the food or could we create images of the food to automatically create really enticing descriptions? Wow. Um, so those are some really, really easy things that, you know, can now be done with literally the click of a button um, and something that GPT-4 especially, uh, so the newer model of, of GPT <clears throat> is really good at is analyzing an image and creating descriptions of that image. Um, and you can literally go through iterations of exactly that and you can ask it, you know, make it more... Um, make it sound more juicy, make it sound more exotic, you know, yeah. literally kind of prompts that you would otherwise give a human when asking them to create those descriptions and what, um, you know, restaurant menu description research has shown. And I think, um, you met Dan Vennard from the, um, who was originally at Mars when we had our food of genius, yeah. then moved to the World Resources Institute. And so he was doing a lot of research on, um, how to create better buying behavior and better food choice behavior based on, um, how we name things in menus. Wow. And so even just the difference of calling something, you know, like plant powered or plant based um, or, you know, green energy, like not green energy, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, a, yeah. energy food, uh, mm-hmm. you know, those, those those kind of words. Superfood and all that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Superfood. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more menu consumption. And so we can look at, OK, how do we sell more of this menu uh, item that we really want to push? Um, and you know, how do we make it sound as enticing as possible when mm-hmm. potentially not everybody on the team or even, or, or the chefs are, you know, native English speakers, um, that could put a really good job in, in creating a really great description. 
Um, so I think restaurants have a lot of amazing tools at their fingertips now to do this well. Um, and the biggest hurdle will be to create that AI literacy to an extent uh, initially. And what I definitely see popping up, and some of this is popping up already, um, is just specific tools for those specific use cases. So for example, there might be a tool soon. It doesn't exist yet, but yeah. you know, shout out to anyone who's listening who wants to create a business. There might be <laughs> where, you, where a restaurant can upload a food, an image of their, of their dish, um, just list the ingredients and then click go. And it automatically creates a really, you know, juicy description of that, um, mm. of that meal. And then the restaurant can copy paste it into their menu. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there's so many cool applications like that just waiting yeah. to happen. Um, yeah. It's the boundaries now are people's creativity, I would say. A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugar Boat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. Something I want to know, actually, and I'm thinking if I want to know what other people might, which is just that sort of, not total world, because it might take the whole podcast, but initial world of the main tools in AI that uh, maybe like a marketer might want to be using. So, you know, you've mentioned ChatGPT already. That's the, the one that everyone, the Coca-Cola, almost of, of the thing that everyone's kind of used to. Um, then you've got MidJourney and then a whole host of others and thousands are being made every day and all that. And the bit that, so A, there's that. B, I'm still a little bit unsure about how then you sort of use it. And what I mean by that is, for example, I've heard people saying to me, right, I'll put something in ChatGPT to create a script for a corporate video. I'll then take that script and then put that into mid-journey and get stills. Then take that, then put it into something else that I don't know what it would be called. And then that creates a corporate video for you like instantly. Mm -hmm. um, so there's all that. And then there's other parts, which is then people saying, well, you need to tell ChatGPT what your brand values are and what your brand's all about. And I'm, I'm just kind of thinking, how? So it's just a bit of a step back. Like, how does it all plug together? Because I'm an absolute novice. I pay for ChatGPT4. I still use 3.5. And the most I'm using it for is podcast descriptions of guests. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's where I've got to. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not... I mean, I've done a bit of brand naming on it, actually. Um, been, been, you know, in collaboration with the client, you know, uh, just having a bit of fun and seeing where it might go. But yeah, so I think initially... What are the main tools you think would be useful right now? And then secondary is just how does it all fit together? What's the capabilities really? Yeah. Um, gosh. <laughs> I know you have so much going on in your brain, but even if it was like the top five AI things you think would be useful to a marketer right now, AI programs. Because, you know, just what I'm thinking about is I see these videos on Instagram and all that, and it says, take your ad for... I don't know, pizza, you mentioned Pizza Hut before. Take your ad for Pizza Hut that you've done for Facebook, do 20 versions of it, 
eight, and then basically this will A-B test them and optimize them to then show you the winner. And these types of things, you know, but it's just like, it's just seeming a bridge too far for me and a lot of people right now. So it was just what, what, what else is out there, you know? Um, yeah. So I'll answer that question a little bit differently, um, maybe than traditionally. You know, you, sure. you, you might you might expect with with a, with a question like yours, and in, in, um, that it would be, you know, okay, Victoria, give me a list of what are the top, and I, I go, okay, one, two, three, four, five. These are the top. Yeah. But um, considering that ChatGPT, one of the main strengths that it has is that it can make AI um, and, and tools and information um, and processes extremely accessible and understandable. Um, the main thing that I feel like a lot of people are missing is that they go straight in for what they want it to do. Mm but they don't ask ChatGPT to help guide it through what the best way is to do that thing. Okay. And so instead of me telling you, you know, these are the best AI tools to use, I would actually just start with, um, think about how to almost like reverse engineer the process to and use ChatGPT to guide you through what you want to do and figure out what the steps are. And you can always ask it to be more detailed. You can always ask it to break it down more. But if you're, for example, saying, I have a client, Pizza Express, um, and I want to create um, an ad campaign for their um, healthy healthy pizza line. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how do I create, um, uh, help me come up with five ideas for that ad campaign? Then it might help, help, help you come up with five ideas. And you're like, oh, I had that one myself. Okay, let's explore that one further. But what you actually want is to create um, five simple teaser videos that could then be produced out into a proper promo, a promotion that could go on uh, Netflix or people know YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would literally then just have you walk it through step by step. Uh, you know, if it would say, okay, um, let's have uh, uh, pizza, pizza in the... Um, uh, what's somewhere healthy pizza after the gym, you know, gym, yeah. gym enjoying pizza after the gym. Um, and then, you know, okay, help me come up with five different ideas that would help that would develop that. Okay. And now walk me through what are the tools that I should use to, to do that most effectively, then they'll give you the tools and then mm. you say, okay, what, in what steps do I need to, to, to use these tools? Um, and um, what are the best prompts that I can give to create the best video can you give me an example prompt or, um, you know, like really you can break it down like yeah. you would be talking to um, either an expert that is is teaching it to you step by step and holding your hand. Yeah. Uh, or imagine that like you're the fifth grader and it's explaining it to you. So what kind of questions do you need to ask it for it to explain it to you like you're uh -huh. a fifth grader? Just really, really simple. Have it take you through the process of exactly what you need. Um, and that I think is way more effective um, because it's actually tailored to you mm -hmm. than for me to tell you, like, use this specific tool. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you can get around Midjourney or Dali if you're looking to create images, right? Mm -hmm. um, you won't get around um, ChatGPT if you're looking to create um, some good text prompts. Um, but most other programs out there are either leveraging ChatGPT in some way where they've decided what the prompts are and what the rules are, mm -hmm. um, or it's some um, sort of pre 
ChatGPT generation tool, which may still be extremely good, yeah. um, then uh, chances are you'll probably also pick that up along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think if I see another Wes Anderson mashup from Mid Journey, I think I'm going to pull my eyes out because it's just like, oh, let's do EastEnders with Wes Anderson. Ha <laughs> ha You know, it's just like, yeah, okay, guys, we've got the gag. Like, can we do something else? Um, but very much looking forward to his new movie. Um, and then um, going back then as well, just, you know, you started off actually talk, talking about this, but just that current hype around generative AI um, and just what you're seeing out there, um, you know, in, in terms of, I guess, a flood of clients coming along to you more than maybe before. Because I guess you were almost slightly covert maybe in the in the previous years where, you know, only people who were really smart were, were coming to, to use you. But now it's it's in the mass, it's in, it's in everyone's brain. So, yeah, what's the hype around it and what you're seeing out in the market? Um, so what's really interesting is that where previously, you know, this going back to the to the conversation we had a few minutes ago around chatbots not being ready and, um, you know, creating bad experiences, where previously a lot of companies were reserved about um, deploying chatbots, especially when they were very protective about their brand. Um, and look, you know, you're in, you're in branding. It's a, a passion that I have as well. We both know how much effort it is, how long it takes, you know, the, the hard work involved with building a really great brand. Like it's, it's a thoughtful exercise. Um, and a lot of it comes down to the experiences and the touch points that people have with that brand. Mm. And if you're, if you're a bank, um, and to do that well at scale, you're really protective over that one customer service touch point that's human that people have with your bank because that's how people will remember the interaction. So I am absolutely understanding of the reservation that a lot of companies have had to to look into that. Um, But now, especially combined with the economic downturn and the pressures that people are feeling from that end, um, there's a lot more openness to explore that technology and see what it means for them. Um, And, you know, again, going back to the customer experience side of things, like companies of a of a certain size, like the companies in the sort of FTSE 100, um, or even if we look at maybe the top 500 companies of this world, they're spending or they're probably losing um, somewhere between uh, 100 and 500 million a year just on cost for customer ch- uh, customer employee churn. Mm-hmm. So that's having to train uh, new people, having to hire more like more people into that position. 20% of someone's salary, or it costs 20% of someone's salary to rehire them for that same position, right? If you multiply that across the salary cost of your organization, um, you know, and that's across the, the levels, um, you get a good idea for the number that, that companies are losing there each year. So it's something that is no longer seen as a nice to have, but actually a must have in terms of tackling that as an issue. And there's lots of ways around that, um, or not around that, but lo- there's lots of ways to address that properly. Um, some of it is just to look at, you know, what are some um, ways that we can redeploy this person or reskill them in our organization. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's one approach. Another approach is, you know, how do we make sure that we really align their performance um, and their metrics with the organization's metrics? How do we make sure that we um, make them feel heard and seen and rewarded, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. uh, you know, appreciated, give them confidence, um, you know, help them grow as a person, as, as a professional, all of these things. And that's those are all the things that take a lot of care and a lot of time from a management perspective. And I'm not going to go into the fact that oftentimes managers don't get as much training as they, they need to and they True. should. 
Um, but, you know, if we just look at it from like a pure individual employee perspective, um, there's just so much more that can be done um, now using the technology. And that's where we've seen the biggest growth in, in interest, actually, um, where the hype on customer service and support and sales, like, yes, that's been there. That's been there for a while. What we actually do at Springbok is we mop up a lot of those failed engagements. Um, uh-huh. Your companies go, we tried it. It went really bad. Um, you know, can you help us? Yeah. Um, can you help us fix this? We really want to create a good one. Um, and then we, we help them turn that around um, and, you know, help them understand that and, and build confidence again, that actually, yes, the technology is there and you can create that really great marriage between a good experience, a really good experience, but also um, optimizing business processes as part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one or the other. It it needs to be good for customers, good for employees, but also good for business and like help you automate a lot of that, the manual stuff that otherwise goes on in the background. Um, but yeah, I'd say like that's where there's been just been a lot of interest and um, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it is exciting. You can tell, you can tell you're buzzing about it. And then a couple of other things then were just um, thinking about hospitality. So, you know, thank you for, for doing research before Corona. I can see you absolutely have. So in terms of that, you know, are there any other sort of hospitality examples that you haven't spoken about yet that, you know, you you think people are doing a particularly good job or it's particularly noticeable that they're using AI? Um, So something that um, I think it was, uh, let me just think, I think it was ZZ's that was doing this, that they've been doing for a while, which I didn't know. Um, But so I'm going to talk about menu inspiration. Mm -hmm. And what ZZ has been doing is actually analyzing um, customer sentiment and feedback online on socials to help them decide what to keep on the menu, what to take out of the menu and what to add to the menu, which mm. I think is really, really cool. Yeah. And um, so that's one thing. But then recently, um, there's an example from a pizzeria in Dubai called uh, Dodo Pizza. Uh-huh. And they used ChatGPT to ask it to create local um, versions of flavor combinations um, for their pizza. Um, so uh, the re- the chef literally just typed in, you know, create me a recipe for local Dubai customers. And it came up with um, a tahini and za'atar kind of combination. I hope I'm not butchering that that word. Yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> and now they have, um, what was it, 29 locally uh, tailored pizza items on their menu. So... I'm sure that, you know, um, chefs and restaurateurs will be using ChatGPT in the very near future uh, to just come up with some more new and novel examples. They can yeah. use it to better ingest trends that are going on um, and to better ingest, like, you know, information about local flavors and local trends um, as well um, as international ones. So um, I think that's where a lot of um, a lot of the visible change will happen, right? Yeah. Because back of house we don't see a lot of, um, and there's been, you know, for example, there's a, there's a cool solution. Um, I really love this company. Uh, they're called Winnow, uh, run by a guy called Mark Zorns. Uh, they've been around for so many years and they help restaurants save money, um, on food waste or help mm. reduce food waste and hence save money, um, in the, in the back of house. And so, um, last time I, I, I engaged with the company, they were using computer vision to analyze what was on the plate, um, that was being thrown away. Um, before it gets thrown away and then they analyze the weight of what's thrown into the bin and that's how they then correlate that data and then help give the the restaurant insights um, and analytics on what food was wasted over time and hence you know reduce the maybe you know the fries are always too big people always throw away the fries or five guys five guys need to know this 
There's too many fries with five guys. They need to, the, the amount of food waste there must be on five guys' fries, even when you get a small. So yeah, they need yeah, to buy I this. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you know, it's it's these kind of it's these kind of solutions that um, make a big difference to the bottom line and in the back of house and and, uh-huh. and in the back of house context, but that customers don't necessarily see. Whereas, of course, um, a flashy drive-through like Wendy's has or some really innovative um flavors is something that customers will see um so it kind of depends on what what it is that you're looking for as a restaurant um maybe you're looking for some headlines that make the news create a pr piece um maybe you're really just looking at um bottom line maybe you're looking um really really deeply at your internal uh brand and retaining your staff um but yeah there's there's loads of options (laughs) yeah i just i'm i'm so glad this isn't going out in video because i've sat for half of this with my jaw open about all the things that you're talking about. I'm just like, oh my God, like my brain's going a mile a minute here. Um, I think people are going to love what you've been saying. You know, I really think they're going to be like, what? I mean, it's just going to give them so many thoughts and ideas, not least the internal engagement stuff. And just back to that for one sec as well. I was thinking about it. And that sort of thank you economy, um, Gary V sort of way, what you could do is the same that if you, if it's not too creepy, as you said, if you can get your, employees instagram handle and you can check what they're into then they come to work and you say you know here's some arsenal tickets or man you or you love the basketball or you like paul Natini or whatever it is um yeah and that, that's just being human right and yeah. actually it's ai helping you be human um which is quite cool um and then so the next couple of things um i know i can't have you forever and ever but i'd like to um because this is just too much to talk about it's just amazing we need to do a part two at some point this is phenomenal stuff um so just going down you know some of it i was thinking about just uh you know we're talking about how to get started so you know it is really probably setting your strategy first and being sensible and actually looking at your objectives and the problem definition so i think that's fantastic just in terms of the resource the spend and you know what people might be looking to do near mid and longer term have you found any sort of formula on that you know in terms of like entry level or anything like that uh yeah so <laughs> it would probably be um it would probably be expected for me to say have this have this budget and then you can achieve x y and z yeah um, my honest answer right now is um, you know, get started with a ChatGPT Pro account, which is twenty dollars a month, mm-hmm. whatever that translates to in pounds at the moment. I mean, it's it's dirt cheap. You're so international. Dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Dollars. Yeah. Dollars. Yeah. Um, and uh, billions and millions and millions. Yep, thousands. It's so yeah. It's 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 twenty twenty dollars a month, mm-hmm. um, and just dig into the technology and and you know really get to grips with some of the things it can do and how it works and get inspired that way. Mm. Um, I mean, something that's really cool about, um, I think the hospitality space uh, in most applications that a lot of other businesses can't flaunt with is that, you know, there's little PII in food, is there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just use it to your hearts, to your heart's delight. And, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, that, Using using it, ChatGPT itself as a tool to guide you through the step by step process of how to make the most of it mm. is probably the most powerful thing that you can ask it to to do, um, and that'll already get you a lot of the way there of the things that you might want to um, might want to create um, without really spending anything more than your time 
Um, if I was a restaurateur, I'd probably hire a Gen Z, like a techie mm-hmm. Gen Z, mm-hmm. just do that and to like tell it, here are some of the things we want to achieve. Come back to me every three days and tell me what you found that we could tr- do or try and then just go like full-blown experimentation. Um, so if I was a sort of small to medium-sized restaurateur, that's probably what I would do. Um, if I was a, a larger chain, um, I would still probably tr- start with a bit of experimentation. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it, there needs to be excitement from the top that this is a technology that's worth investing in and mm-hmm. worth exploring. So I'd make sure that my execs are on board with this and I would invest in making sure that they have had like a little bit of of touch points with it, some training and also some expectation management. Like I know I've been talking about it in a really excited way, but there's still lots of things that it can't do. It's not a silver bullet. Uh, it It does really need someone who understands how it works to get the most out of it. So it's helpful to have that. Um, as a baseline yep. and then to think about again as we talked about earlier what's what's that strategy piece right like where are we now what resources do we have available where do we see ourselves as a company mm. how can we start investing in you know in, in into that direction it doesn't need to be everything immediately but um you know and then to to use some some buzzwords there you know what's the quote-unquote low-hanging fruit yeah uh, you know, we get started to just show some quick results um, and then accelerate from there. So yeah, you know, to summarize, it's very easy to get started, get a ChatGPT Pro account, um, yeah. make, make sure that if you're using the tool, then you're using it, it to the best of its abilities. Mm. And so, you know, make sure that you're using GPT-4's model um, as part of that. And if you're a, a bigger company and this is meant to be, um, or your goal is to make it more part of your, your overall strategy, which... I just feel like every company needs to think about how this technology fits into their future or how they fit into the, a future that is um, really underpinned by that technology in many ways, right? There's yeah. no way around it. Um, so, you know, get some help by someone who's um, has a little bit more and uh, has a little, a little bit more tools in their arsenal um, yeah. than you do um, and get yeah. some support on that. Yeah. And if you want to make a million pounds quick, uh, should you become a prompt engineer? Is that the is that the new is that the new content creator? Is that the new influencer? Everyone's a prompt engineer now, right? Uh yeah. <laughs> I think they are. <laughs> this is a great question. I think there's probably a wave of prompt engineering cash, um, quick cash grab that you can make, similar to selling NFTs. Um, <laughs> you know, just a lot of bros just a lot of dudes exactly. with po- dudes yeah. with podcasts yeah absolutely okay. everyone knows stupid, stupid bullshit, but um, i feel very seen <laughs> i feel i feel like you're aiming that at me <laughs> no, 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 no. let's be clear i was not hating on the podcast i was hating on the nfts mark I NFT, yeah the andrew tates of this world yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, it'll, it'll be a thing for a while. And then after, after a bit, there'll be people who specialize on it, but also we'll just, you know, um, there'll be training courses on it that corporates are offering how to, you know, make sure that you understand prompt engineering relevant to your, to your industry, to your role. Mm-hmm. And those tr- kind of trainings will become a lot more tailored over time. Uh, HR departments will have things that are specialized on, on that aspect of, of AI and HR training and literacy, uh, sorry, on the uh, ChatGPT and, and AI literacy. 
So there's there's a lot of reskilling that's going to happen. Um, so I think that there's certainly uh, some money to be made on being a prompt engineer right now. The sweet spot is if you have some industry knowledge plus you're a techie and you can overlap that and you're you understand. I don't want to say you understand language, like all of us can can talk, but if mm. especially if you if you have a little bit of a knack for copywriting, you just it's not it's not like you can't do it if you don't, but you're certainly in a better place if you if you if you have that. Yep. Um so there'll be a few people making a quick buck and that will die again very soon. So I don't know. I wouldn't recommend anyone looking for a, a long-term career change because it'll be a, long, a short-lived career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Okay, last big question and there's a couple of quick fire ones. So last big question is considerations and risks because somebody's going to go to jail at some point, right? Mm, yeah. Um, have you heard about that Samsung incident? No. Oh, okay. So there was a, an incident recently where three, I think it was specifically three developers, mm -hmm. um, three individuals anyways at Samsung, uh, were using ChatGPT um, in ways that they shouldn't have, shouldn't have been. And I think one of them used it to um, um, have it create meeting summary notes from a transcribed client call. Um, so obviously that's client confidential information um, captured by Otter um, or similar software mm -hmm. and then use ChatGPT to summarize it. Um, and then the others were um, in very confidential internal information um, and also some proprietary code that they put into ChatGPT to help it with some, some some code snippets or debugging or something like that. So anyway, they could have gotten away with it potentially, um, but there was a, a data leak um, that happened at, uh, at OpenAI. And so the information that got put into the system, as in to ChatGPT by those people, mm -hmm. was then leaked out into the world. And I guess the, the most uh, extreme picture that I could paint is imagine you put some very in a confidential client information, employee information, whatever, into ChatGPT, or maybe your strategy of the business for the next year, because you asked wanted to ask it to summarize it or as a joke, explain it to your grandma, right? Yeah. For the example. Um, and then somebody at uh fill in competitor x from your of your of your agency um, in i don't know uh australia or next next door to you somewhere in london um could literally ask ChatGPT what is uh, we are spectacular's strategy for this and this Ooh. year and get that information because you fed it that information yeah Ooh. so on the confidentiality side, um, there are some challenges there, and companies, um, you know, are th therefore looking to use the API as opposed to just the browser version, and that's where we come in with our solutions. They're all based on using the API because we have much better control of of the data and how that flows. We also do uh, data masking to make sure that any PII is covered, um, as in isn't doesn't actually even go out in the first place. That yeah. um, place with some filler filler words. Um, so all of that's like could be a real issue if it's if it's not you know used properly. Mm. Um, and then of course it's not just about that information being leaked and that potentially being damaging to your business from like a competitors or um, um, yeah like you know sort of some internal problems. But there's also the, the reputation damage that can happen. Yeah. Um, the example that I always think of is the the British Airways data leak, which uh -huh. was 2020. It's a long time ago now you know three years ago and we still remember that because 
that was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. damage obviously doesn't go away overnight just because some new news comes in. Um, so companies need to be, um, yeah, quite aware of of that. Um, and th- that's why I was joking earlier um, that, you know, restaurants, I think, are in a better place because yeah. menu data, um, uh, food items, ingredients, allergens, like none of this is proprietary information. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fine. But if you're using it to create uh, like performance reports for your employees, which, again, is more of a corporate thing than a hospitality mm-hmm. thing in that level of formality, yeah. at least experience um then you know you should really be using something that's like safer by an api and that's where a lot of um specific contained products are going to be coming in and companies creating solutions that essentially offer that layer of safety to make sure that the data that you put into it um is in some way um protected from uh getting transferred out into OpenAI's library that's amazing and what a great thing to think about you know that industrial espionage side of things because yeah it's quite scary you know and and actually there'll be a ton of people in my world who are just willy-nilly putting in you know create me a brand strategy for you know um so yeah you really need to well, that's a great that's a great thing getting an api okay just some quick fire questions i've got two reasonably rubbish ones and then i'll, I'll ask you the food ones so is everyone going to lose their job because of ai <laughs> Um, my short answer is absolutely not. Um, we are going to see a huge reskilling of labor. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to see a lot of changes in the way that we do our job. Mm-hmm. But the way that I would look at it is um, in the same way that the computers changed how we did our job and the internet changed how we did our job. You know, the jobs will remain. The expectations on that job will be quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, will be expected to produce a lot more and more high quality output in a faster space of time. Mm-hmm. So um, honestly, I expect people's stress levels to go up <laughs> as a result. Yeah. In a I'm quarter. glad I'm halfway through. Um, <laughs> I think that's what I what I unfortunately foresee. Um, but also just, you know, really a lot better quality output. I think that's that's what I'm excited about and just better experience. Um, that's the other thing I'm excited about. Um I, I don't want to. I don't want to pretend like no jobs will be lost to automation technology. Like there are some industries where absolutely they will. Um, but it's you know similar to how we had um, automotive uh, in, uh, factories um, put robots robots into their plants, and that replaced a bunch of humans being on the assembly line. Mm. Um, there will be jobs that um, you know will be will be replaced. But again, it's a matter of of reskilling, and there will be so many new jobs created um, as a result. And the exciting thing about the new jobs that will be created is that a lot of them will really be about, um, to use your words from earlier, um, again, you know, adding the human, using technology uh, to enable more of a human touch and more of a personalized human touch. And that's what's really, really exciting. Yeah. It kind of feels to me, anyway, at this early stage, that we'll become kind of finessers. So we'll get it, whatever you want to say to do 80%, 85%, whatever. And then, you know, we'll, we'll sort of jump in and, and maybe finesse. So, um, so far, anyway, let's see how we go on. Okay, so the fun questions are, oh, just before the fun questions, well done on your award. Uh, I'm so pleased for you. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. So well done. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, it's great. It's just great to watch. So fun questions. Favourite city to eat in? Oh, Wow. What a tough one. Um, favorite city to eat in. 
I've just come back from Japan. Mm -hmm. Kyoto, I would say, was incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe just because there's so many options for Wagyu. Yes, quite. (laughs) But but otherwise, Mark, I have to say London. Mm -hmm. London Still, I mean, you can find anything at really like such a high standard there. I'm sure I can also find some some Wagyu beef if I go looking for it. And I just Mm -hmm. Um, but best city to find like consistently good food um, at like a, you know, also a huge price range. There's, I think what London has is a really um, strong amount of mid-level restaurants that offer something exceptional. Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably London and Kyoto's are contenders for me there right now. Nice. Uh, favorite hotel? Favorite hotel. Um, okay. So um, I recently had an incredible experience at the Mondrian. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So um, it's a re- it's a longer story, and I might tell you about it another time. Okay, we can I- do it off mic. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, I had a really horrible day um, for a myriad of reasons, and and my flat ended up being not habitable for that night. And I ended up having to get a hotel really last minute. So I show up at this hotel at 8 p.m. And I'm like, I've booked a room at booking.com. <laughs> crying. And I mean, I wasn't actually crying, but I was <laughs> pretty down. And I asked the man if he had a if he had a room for me with a view. Um, and to 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 fast forward, he didn't he's he um apologized that he didn't have a room with a view for me, but he decided to upgrade me to upgrade me to a suite with a view. Whoa. Nice work. So I had the most insane experience at the Mandarin Sea Containers um, and just the beautiful view of St. Paul's and of the London Eye and the skyline and yeah. the cars going over the bridge, which created this really nice brown noise in yeah. the background of sleeping. Um, and um, I actually called our good friend Simeon. Simeon oh, you did? Um, and uh, so we just enjoyed a bottle of a bottle of champagne and some dinner. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, <laughs> nice. Nice. Did you check out the cinema when you were there? Oh no, 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 I did oh, not. I stayed I stayed there a how oh, many months ago now. Yeah. And I, I was in London myself at night and um nothing to do and it was a bit of a rubbish night. And I was like, oh, and then actually Bullet Train was on in the small cinema. The cinema's got like 30 seats or something, yeah. you know. And uh, the Brad Pitt thing was on, yeah, the, the Bullet Train. It was absolutely fantastic. I lovely. I love that hotel. It's, it's great. Um, what else have we got? Yeah, favourite coffee shop? Coffee shop? Um, so I don't um, like coffee. Uh-huh. I have a very controversial opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um but I, it's it's a bit weird. Coffee has no effect on me. Like caffeine does nothing for me. <laughs> You're just uh, highly strong enough. I, just, <laughs> I think a colleague once said to me that I'm just high on life. And I yep. think I but <laughs> there's a place in Kennington that makes really good matcha lattes. And that's nice. what I'm drinking. Um, and it's called Urban Botanica. Okay. And I've oh. heard the coffee is excellent too. So that's where I go. Check that out. Favorite bar? <laughs> Um, favorite bar, um, probably the favorite bar for me is connected to the favorite ho- restaurant, which is that I think Chodomate in London, which makes yep. new cuisine, um, has both exceptional drinks and exceptional food. Mm-hmm. So if I want a really good cocktail in London, I'll go there. The other place that I enjoy is, um, Hamyard Hotel. Yes. Their bar is very nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let's get a ja- let's get a Japanese. You get Wagyu in there, no? There's a Japanese hotel, a Japanese restaurant in Hamilton, I think. Yeah, I've not yeah. actually. Oh no, it's outside. It's outside. Yeah, it's- yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, You get Wagyu in there. Um, yeah, and then yeah, and then favorite restaurant. Yeah, so um, it's, it's all linked. It's all linked. Yeah, Chotomate on Fifth Street. Both. So- um, so that's Japanese and Peruvian fusion. Um, yeah. And I've had the huge luck of, in the past year, traveling to both Peru and Japan um, and being able to, you know, see the cuisine both sides. Both sides. Um, but what Chotomate offers is genuinely, it's it's a cuisine in, a, in and of itself called Nikkei cuisine, which is oh. a Peruvian Japanese fusion. And so it's not that you have Japanese dishes and Peruvian dishes. It's like genuinely a fusion of the flavors. Uh-huh. So you might have... Um, like um, a, a thinly cut beef t- tataki with a passion fruit sauce and like a little bit of teriyaki glaze or something. And it's just like, yeah, um, yeah really, really delicious. And the service there is also phenomenal. Um, and I've gone so many times that they now know me by name, which is almost embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's not a kebab shop or something. At least it's something <laughs> kind of classy. So yeah, that's good news. Excellent. Nice. All right. Well, listen, I'll love you and leave you. I know you're super busy and I've, I've kept you longer than I said. So thank you so much. Um, and it's just been so nice to see you. It's been a long, long, long time. And I've been enjoying your LinkedIn updates, which are a great read. So I encourage anyone to, to, to read all of them. It's nice long form stuff. And also I'm just excited about your adventures. So it's like, your mum's skiing and then you had uh, your chance meeting on the plane, you know, your kind of international adventures. And so, yeah, I, I love keeping up with it all. It's, it's wildly entertaining. So thank you. Thanks, Mark. And also um, congrats on the booze-free period that, that you've had, which has been really impressive. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm like 130 days or something. Um, and uh, I've, I've lost four stone now. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty good. So I've got a long way to go. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping on, keeping strong. But there's some such good uh, alcohol-free options out there, you know, like good. it's kind of all right. You know, you've got a uh, lucky, lucky saint, freedom and, and ones like that. But they need to crack um, alcohol-free wine that tastes good. They've not quite nailed that yet. And it's wine that I miss the most. So, um, yeah. But, do you know, do you know that there are two brands, of the two alcohol-free um, brands of, I guess you could call them mixers or just refreshing drinks mm. that I really like. Um, and so maybe, maybe you know them. Uh, one of them is called Something and Nothing. Okay. I'll check that um, out. Um, so they have a, they have a cucumber um, flavored soda and a yuzu flavored soda. Um mm a few other flavors but those are my favorite they're so moorish i have like crates of them at home yeah, and yeah, yeah. When, we had a, when we had a springbok office we literally had our entire fridge filled with yuzu seltzer <laughs> all day long um, and the second one is a brand called nixon kicks i know nixon kick in fact i met nixon kicks at at our house of food. you think so yeah. <laughs> i've still got a tote bag somewhere i think maybe one uses it amazing yeah so, yeah I love their drinks absolutely love it but they, they like chili in them and stuff right and like yeah, cayenne. Ca- cayenne cayenne yeah yeah there we go exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah I, I think just um some something with a bit of a of a twist you know yuzu twist cayenne twist i'm yeah. all i'm all up for that definitely brilliant well listen it's such a pleasure to see you i'm so if it doesn't sound too weird and patch i'm so proud of you and and everything that you're doing i'm so happy to see it and no one deserves it more than you. I've never seen anyone brighter or that works harder. So well done. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been such All a right. pleasure.
All right. Catch you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Just can't believe it. That has been just an episode where, and I think I said it in the tape, where most of the podcast I was sitting with my jaw agog, just sitting listening to the capabilities that we're not even scratching the surface of when we're using something like ChatGPT. It's scary. It's exciting. It is going to change everything. Hopefully it will change a lot of things for the better, but I'm just so grateful to Victoria for spending the time to educate us on some of the immediate possibilities for AI. And I really would recommend getting in touch with Victoria at Springbok AI and our email address will be on the podcast show notes. This podcast is sponsored by VitaMojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity and serve guests better. Just visit vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic and get in touch with the team right away. That's vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off for another podcast and I'm really looking forward to the next time we're together. Next time, we'll hear from many, many more interesting people with top tips, tricks and tales that will make your brand boom.